Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. My name is Sykes and this is my podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out the last episode. If you're one of those people, I hope you enjoyed the conversation and thanks so much for coming back. But for everyone out there who's new to the show, welcome. Feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer, soda, water, coffee, tea, kombucha, orange juice, Gatorade, Powerade, Limeade, Diet Coke, whatever you like in the fridge. Cheers. It's a lovely Monday evening. I'm getting ready to uh, edit this episode that you're about to listen to with my friend Jerry Mulligan. For those of you unfamiliar with Jerry, he is a rock and roller, a singer, a man with a microphone, a man with feelings, things to say, stuff to get off his chest. He sings in the band Winter's Descent, based out of Pittsburgh, PA, if you don't already know. In addition to being a singer and rock and roller headbanger type, Jerry and his wife, Julie, also run a promotion company called Twist of Fate, and they have produced a lot of cool live events in the Pittsburgh area back when that was a thing. Hopefully it will be a thing again soon. That's one of many things that we'll be talking about in today's episode. It's a bit of a long conversation. I'm going to try to trim the fat on it and edit it down a bit here because we talked for like about two hours and I'm not about to upload a two hour long episode, but even if I edit it down a bit, it's still probably going to be pretty long. So just strap in. It's a good conversation. Jerry's a really good guy. I always really enjoy talking to him. And if you're somebody that is interested in conversations about the future of the local music scene, you're interested in conversations about bettering your, yourself as a uh, an independent artist. And if you're just interested in a couple of assholes chewing the shit for a little bit, then this is the conversation for you. So with all that being said, I'm going to shut up and we're going to get into my conversation with my friend, Jerry Mulligan. Enjoy. Hi. Hi. How you been? I've been good. How about you? Good. Good as well. Nice to see you. You too. In the flesh. Good to see your smiling face. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's been a while. It has been a minute. When was the last time we saw each other? Uh, I think maybe... You guys did something for Sid's birthday at your house, like that sounds right. about a year ago. Yeah, that sounds right. And uh, I haven't seen you since. Yeah, it's been a minute. So what have you been doing? I've been working. Okay, working, recording the EP. Yeah, trying to stay sane. Yeah. So yeah, you're you're an adult with a life outside of music, yep. but you're still trying to do this music thing well you are doing it i wouldn't say trying how do you feel about it i feel like i'm trying pretty hard how well i'm doing at it it would be somebody else's yeah it's a weird place to be in because we have so many responsibilities as adults to ourselves and the people around us but like arguably at the same time it's like you're doing this music stuff and it's probably the best stuff that I've heard you guys do Thank ever. You. I appreciate that. And it's like growing, but it takes forever to it, grow. Yeah. It's a huge pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like anybody who does music, um, really probably hates themselves at least a little bit. Yeah. So yeah. with, you don't like yourself if you're involved in music with the growth <laughs> of, you know, the band winter's descent, which we should say winter's descent, 
is the name of your band. And the track that you have put out is called Fortune. Yep. And that is one piece of a greater puzzle, I imagine. Correct. So quite a complicated puzzle. Okay. <laughs> so let's dig into this EP a bit. You know, recording music, writing songs, it's a lot harder and it takes a lot more time than people realize, especially when you're like, you have so much other shit going on. Yeah. So what has the journey for these songs been like? Just getting them fucking written and recorded. Don't even ask me about the journey writing <laughs> songs because I'm still in the middle of that journey and it's a tremendous pain in the ass. Yeah. Um, this is the first time that we've really tried to do it um, more than just kind of like a DIY, like working with ourselves and then um, booking like, you know, You've probably been there, book a block of time in a studio, and you just kind of got a guy who hits the red button. Yeah. And, I mean, hey, if you come in and your tunes are pretty much ready and you're happy with them, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not uh, I'm, I'm not pissing on that. But we wanted to try and work with a team and see if we could um, sort of polish it up. And, I mean, you know, we, we've been a band for, I'm going to say, like, it's been like 12, 13 years now since we originally started the band. Paul and I started it. Paul, if you're watching this or if whoever has Paul is watching this, Please return Paul unharmed. Paul is in communicado. I don't know. <laughs> Paul was supposed to be here, the the fellow founding member of the band, and Paul uh, Paul's missing. So if you have Paul, please return him. Return Paul. There's no money in it for you, but I got some McDonald's coupons. <laughs> we might be able to work something out. Uh, but uh, it's the first time we really tried to do... I don't know how I want to say it without coming off like, well, check out what we're doing. Um, like, okay, we're working with a producer and he's a friend of mine. It's not like, you know, we're not being shot by a label. I don't want to misrepresent or anything like that, but we're working with a producer, um, buddy of mine named Lee Caruso Jr. Uh, he went to Berkeley for music production and all this other stuff. Uh, I don't know. I'm not good at giving people's resume. Yeah, no, um, totally. Yeah, but he's a real good guy and he's, he, He's younger. I think he's only like late 20s, early 30s. But uh, I have learned a lot from him. I think we all have learned a lot from him um, throughout the pre-production process and um, just everything that he did um, to sort of take us down the rabbit hole with songwriting. He really kind of, you know, he listened to a bunch of tunes we had and we really sort of stripped him apart and did a lot of pre-production. I mean, we're not talking like, oh, come in and record a scratch and we'll kind of tweak some things like months of rewriting parts and talking about the songs and looking at them through different lenses and deciding what kind of sound we were going for what kind of what kind of style do we want for our ep what kind of um what kind of production sound what kind of style are we going for yeah uh, are we going for more of a commercial sound or more of a you know like a new york hardcore like real raw sort of sound you know um we did a lot of talking man, you got to talk about this stuff a lot, you know? People sure. imagine recording and they just picture people in a room playing. And really, if you look at probably like 90% of the time, it's people sitting there talking and sometimes arguing. Um, but, um, I mean, it, it's been a it's a lot to try and spit out. I'm kind of meandering a little no, bit. No, <laughs> I think that what's really cool about this process and the way that you guys are going about this new material is it's, almost a very old school approach. I mean, you think before the times when people could do DIY recording. Yeah. What did you uh, you had to work with a producer and it in the end result ended up being a lot of really good thought out music. Right. And an unfortunate side effect of DIY culture as much as I am 
all four people recording music on their own and putting it out like that's I, you get a lot of bullshit. You get a lot of trash. Yeah. And I think that, you know, one man's trash is another's treasure, True. I suppose. True. But I think that there's a lot to be said about taking the approach that you guys are taking. And it's not even like what you're doing is a better thing to do over like a more DIY approach. Sure. It's just a more traditional approach. And I think you're going to get a better end result. You're going to get better product because you're able to like drop the ego to some degree and be like, you know what? We do need help. Yeah. You got to drop the ego quite a bit, honestly. Yeah. Cause the one thing that held the process up, not just for me, but with other members was, man, I don't know if you've ever had someone get inside your process and start stripping your tunes apart and kind of, really nitpicking your shit. Like you ever had somebody at practice really get into your thing and be like, start writing your lyrics and start tweaking your vocal melodies. Like when someone That's, really gets up on your shit. Yeah. I mean, fortunately that really hasn't happened, Yeah, but to be honest with you, I don't know if that's a good thing. Yeah. Right. You know, I, I a good thing. I've been, <laughs> I mean, part of me doesn't, not a practice. You don't want it, but at the same time, I feel like I'm in a position now as a songwriter where I enjoy being challenged because like, you know, everybody always thinks their kid is the cutest. Oh, right. Yeah. And it's like, it. it's that mentality. That's a great way of putting it. And it's like, I need sometimes somebody to be like, yo, no, like your that kid's kid, kind of ugly. Kid's ugly. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, that part sucks, <laughs> but I rarely get challenged in songwriting atmospheres with the people that I'm around. But I mean, you well, know, maybe they just trust you to do your thing. Maybe sometimes the the proof is in the pudding. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not 100 percent sure what that is, but I think that it takes time to I think get comfortable in that way with the other band members and finding people that you can trust. I think with like Lee, I know that he's been involved with you guys for a while and you've been friends with him for a long time. So you've built up this trust and mutual understanding yeah. that has like allowed what I think is like a really healthy relationship and him to operate almost as like an additional member of the band yeah. and not just like somebody that's there to, you know, collect a paycheck. Sure. Or just to be a hype man and be like, oh, you guys are doing everything right. Everything sounds so good. Um, and I mean, I love I love it when friends listen and especially when friends actually listen enough that I can tell they did more than just kind of skim through a song or a video or they were hanging out at a show, drinking beer, talking at the bar. You know, I'm yeah, not, I, I'm not um, I don't know. I, I like when my friends support me. It's even I don't know. It means something to me when somebody who is just somebody in my personal life really digs my stuff you know yeah because i mean come on like i love the local music scene and i have a big heart for local music sometimes you're supporting a project because it's your friend you know what i mean like maybe it's a style's not quite your thing or i don't know like you said you know there's a lot of amateur bands um and i say amateur bands simply because you know maybe we're not getting paid to do it as our primary job amateur meaning we're not professionals we don't make our living doing music sure um, I think that there is a way to be like on a amateur level, but yeah. still have a professional demeanor about you. Agreed. And I think that the thing that annoys me the most, honestly, about the local music scene is just when bands take up space and time that don't give a shit about really being there. Yep. Like, you know, the show up late, leave early. Yeah. Don't make any sort of effort to actually be a part of yeah the thing yep. it's like why are you even here if right. you don't want to be here i think that's where the ego comes in to be honest with sure you, you know and it's funny because 
we're all local musicians playing in local projects and for the most part playing local shows. I mean, if you get to go out and hit the road and um, play for other markets and, and get a broader audience, that is awesome. Uh, but if you're in a band like ours, you know, we're not getting national attention. We're not signed by a major label. Um, we're not professionals. We are it's, pursuing our passion, yeah, you know, you we're know, doing something we love. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, I think a lot of and I'm I don't know, I don't want to sit here and have a bitch fest or talk a bunch of shit. But I I know I've personally worked with individuals who, even though they're in a project like ours, they have rock star egos and, and rock star attitudes. Sure. And kind of act as if they're getting bank and everybody is chasing them and everybody's kissing their ass to be in their project. And it's like somebody who's got that bigger than life attitude, even when they are at that point, I'm sure that's I don't think I'd click with somebody like that. Yeah. But it's even worse when you're in a project where you're like, you know, maybe playing the rock room or some little club or something. And you're like, what? I'm not going on five minutes before my set. Where's my brown M&Ms? And you're just looking at this person like, dude, what? Go to the bar and have a have a Miller Lite. <laughs> sure. It's really, really hard because in <laughs> rock and roll, there needs to be like an ego and an attitude for it to be believable or sellable. Yeah. So, but it's like, it's a fine line because it's real easy to be like a dick to the sure. people around you. Yeah. It's just like, you got to find that like level of confidence in order for people to really like, I mean, rock and roll is all attitude. And yeah. you know, there's that conversation of like, why has rock died? Why is, you know, rap and pop so popular? It's like, because they act more rock and roll than half the rock and roll bands act these days. Sure. It's like people want that energy. They like that ego, but you got to like, keep the ego on stage right. and maybe behind the scenes be a little bit more yeah. willing to just be cool to the people around you. Sure. And it's really, really hard to, um, I think with the kind of music that Winter's Descent does, um, where like it's a youth driven market and none of us are getting any younger. That's the truth. So it's like, how do you continue to play shows where, you know, young people are always hungry for new rock music. Right. But like, it's inevitable. I deal with it. I'm sure you do too. It's like you might play a show with a bunch of bands that are like a decade or two younger than you. Sure. And no matter how good the band is, it's like you're the old guys. Yeah. And like finding like there's people our age that still want to go out to shows. Sure. But getting them to go out to a local show is a fucking nightmare yeah. so it's like how do we escalate because it's like people in our age demographic only want to go out to a show if it's like at a real club right or a real place they don't want to go to a diy space but we're still operating on a diy level and it makes it really hard to yeah and honestly dude that's you know my wife and i we have a, a we have a promotion company so like that's a nut that we've been trying to crack you know before everything fell apart with covid um and I don't think I used to think, oh, and everybody you've heard him say it. This this city sucks. This town just sucks. Shittsburg and fucking everybody here is just, you know, nobody cares about the local scene and nobody cares about what I'm doing. But it's not just us. Like, if you really think we're the only major city that has a struggling uh, local music scene, then I don't think you've been anywhere but here. Sure. I've no. heard those complaints in every single even places like oh, I'm trying to think. Um 
it's a band from another scene, a place that we kind of look at as like, oh, that's a cool scene out there. And they're like, I'm glad you think so, <laughs> you know. Um, and I, it was the same exact attitude. It was kind of disheartening at the time because I was still kind of like flying under this illusion that, oh, it's just here. I'm just trapped in a bad scene. You know what I mean? Uh, other places are doing better. Like we were going to move the, the band down to um, Nashville because in our heads we're like, Nashville, music scene. Go there. Yeah. Make music. Do good as a band. We go down there and like there's a lot of country. Um, pop. Pop, yeah. And, and there's a lot of like there's definitely a scene down there for playing live. And I'll tell you what's big down there is like publishing houses and stuff like that. Like if you're one guy with a guitar and you're a singer songwriter and you're looking to kind of like build up your catalog and then get publishing deals, you know what I mean? And sell those songs like Kenny Wayne Shepherd. I don't know. I don't listen to country, whoever, you know? Sure, 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 <laughs> sure. Then it's a good place to be. But we were kind of expecting to go down there and kind of see like Lollapalooza on a street corner. And it was like, no, like we checked out the local venues in our scene and we went to some of the shows and it was the same exact kind of vibe as here. Really DIY, bunch of young kids and, you know, like mm, late 30s, verging on middle-aged folks who just wanted to hang out and listen to music. And it wasn't like there was no more of any kind of a professional atmosphere um, or, or like a, I don't know how to put it, like more well-produced, more professional. It wasn't anything more than what we have here. You know? Yeah. And someone might say, oh, well, that's because it's Nashville. That's the wrong market. Like, I mean, the the person who I got to make sure I mention in connection with the EP is Sid Riggs, who we we met through you, uh, fortunately. Sid's a great guy. And the best. We recorded at his studio. I'm still in the process of recording. Uh, his studio has actually grew legs and moved. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's, he's got it set up. He's been working really hard. So I'm going to get back in there and record some more vocals. But he's from out in L.A. And he's like... Even L.A., it's not like it was in the late 80s and early 90s where all these clubs have got this happening scene and there's just like this music's on fire and you got thousands of people coming out every weekend to see these new bands. And, you know, it's like every other week a, a band from the, the scene over here in L.A. is making it to the national scene like – even out there, like we've been out there. We went out there like one time. I don't know. I don't freak with the spot. I'm not that cool, but they're not doing what they used to do in the nineties either, where it's just like you go out there and the club scene is just like on fire. So I don't know where that leaves us, dude. Like it almost was better when I thought like right over there, they had something really good happening. And then you go over there and you're like, it's the same as here. Mm -hmm. I think that it's just a dramatic a misrepresentation of what that time frame was because you know you see the old music videos and you see like old photographs and you hear the stories and sure like i'm sure it was fucking crazy but it was such a short blip of sure. time yeah you know and i think that when we come up and start like wanting to be in bands and we're like looking at like you know me like the thing that made me want to do music was watching like old iron maiden live videos oh, right man. and like but it's like that's such a small time frame and the majority of independent music scenes are like what we are used to seeing sure so i think that it's just like shifting what is what the reality is and becoming more comfortable with the fact that like, yeah, you know, a hundred people at a show is good. 
Yeah. And it may seem like that's nothing compared to that Iron Maiden VHS tape. Right. But also it's like drop the ego a bit. We're not fucking Iron Maiden. Right. But we could still have a great time. And I think that the only way to grow is to make sure that you always promote the scene and the shows in a way that is inviting and it's making people feel like they're missing out on something. Absolutely. Even if it is only a fucking show with 30 people sure. at like Black Forge, right. you're missing out. Right. And you got to make people feel like they're missing out. Yep. So they want to be a part of it. Dude. A big problem with the scene is that when you have people that complain and say that there's nothing going on, people are going to be like, well, I guess there's nothing going on. Why would I pay attention to this? And a lot of times it's musicians who I hear talking that shit. Oh, know? yeah, yeah. Musicians, oh, this yeah. scene sucks and blah, blah, blah. No one supports each other. And I've called people out online and I'm like, I try and be a little bit cooler than, hey, fucker, I didn't see you last Saturday. That's whatever. what it is, you though. I mean? I've, I've literally just come in and said, hey, anytime that I was felt like underappreciated as an artist or felt like there was nothing happening here. I need to take a look at myself and say, okay, whose projects am I supporting right now? Where am I working in the local scene to help other people grow? And like most people, they don't look at that at all. I'm sorry, but there's a lot of entitlement associated. Like I picked up a fucking guitar. What do you mean? Like 500 people don't want to come and see me. Don't you know how much time and thought and energy? And it's just like, yeah, you practice once a week and fucking, you know, sure. I mean? you guys put 25, 30 hours into a recording. I'm not pissing on that. Like, it's all about what your goals and what you want to accomplish. But it's like, I don't know when I kind of got my eyes open to how fucking hard most professional artists, musicians, songwriters, producers, like how many years it takes to really get good at that. What a large portion of your life and your time you need to sacrifice to get that good at that. I don't know, man. It, it's an eye opener, you know, because we, I don't know. I, I kind of looked at like professionals as some of them may be sold out or they just had a brother-in-law or a cousin or something like that. And come on now, we all know that connections are a big, it's not just the music industry. Like, you know, if you're connected, you're going to have more opportunities than somebody who's not, but Dude, professional players, professional singers, professional producers, like pro professional mixers, they work their fucking ass off, man. Like we are talking about years and years and years of not playing fucking Xbox, not hanging out and smoking weed or doing whatever the fuck you like to do. Not just sitting there and being a bump on a log on Facebook, which, hey, man, when I get a little time to relax, I love to just sit there and mindlessly scroll through the you know decay of Western society and call <laughs> that entertainment or rec time or whatever. But Man, I'm telling you right now, like, if you really want to be great at something, it takes a huge sacrifice. And I try and remember that anytime I start feeling resentful about what I ain't got, you know? I think the thing that is great about uh, what you and Julia have done with Twist of Fate is that you've created a really inviting atmosphere with the shows that you've put on. And I think that that resonates with a lot of people. You know, there's a certain level of quality and professionalism attached to all of the events that you've put on. And I think that, you know, there are going to be people that will come out to a show that you guys put on, even if they don't know the bands or even if they don't like all of the bands, they sure. just know that it's going to be a cool time. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of times where uh, promoters, are a lot less concerned with creating a cool 
atmosphere and just more concerned with, I don't know what they're, I don't know what the, there's like no larger goal a lot of the times, sometimes with promoters. Yeah. Maybe money. Yeah. Maybe it's just like they want to do shows, but like why? Yeah. Like, you know, there's a lot more to growing the scene than just like, it's not like if you build it, they will come type no, of thing. It's absolutely it's, not. <laughs> you know, I, I, it, if you put on a big show and the bands are good, everybody's going to show up. No, no, yeah, won't. Yeah, there's <laughs> there's a lot. <laughs> there's a good chance that nobody will come. Yeah, there's a there's a lot that goes into it, and you have to think about like the bands that are playing, the neighborhood <laughs> that the show is in, the venue. Is the venue a professional environment? Does it like? feel like a good place to hang out is it a welcoming environment right you know for the type of people that you're trying to like your audience you got to think about all of these things you got to look at it from like a very business-minded cold approach almost you know it's just like whenever you have a band and you like play one too many shitty shows it like fucks up the morale in the band yeah and then it starts creating like this this thing where like it stops being fun and whenever it stops being fun, it's like the most toxic thing for the band. Yep. And if you like invite people out to a show, it's not going to be fun. They're not going to want to come see you again. No. And you got to like think about every little stupid thing when like thinking about like the future of the band and what you're going to do. And it's like you're probably better off playing one good show a year than 12 shitty shows. That's the truth. And you're going to enjoy it more too. Like you said, when when you're playing all these, and I'm not going to call them shitty little shows per se, because everybody's got to start somewhere. But like, and again, it has to do with your goals. But when you're playing like a smaller show, a smaller venue, and it's more of a bar than a club, and you're not doing anything that leads to any kind of progression, you know what I mean? Like you're not really going anywhere. If it's just for fun, and you're just hanging out with your buddies and you like to play at bars and some of your buddies like to come out and drink and hang out and see you kind of do your thing up there. And that is the main goal. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I would take something like that over being in this band where like everybody's got these big aspirations, but um, there's not a lot of organization. Um, we're, we're not doing what we need as a group. We're not doing what we need individually with one another working together like we want to go somewhere and take it somewhere but we're fucking that up huge and everybody's miserable because we're not making like i would so much rather be in a band where it's just like we're gonna play covers and a couple originals and fucking we're gonna get your cousin and and some of my friends and you know billy bob loves to come out and see us yeah. so it's gonna be like eight of us and we're gonna have a great fucking time and we all know this band's not going anywhere <laughs> sure we're really not putting much into the tunes not because we don't give a fuck just because I got a job, you're married, you got kids, like this is what we're doing. As long as everybody's on board with what the uh what the goals are and everybody agrees with that, then you're going to have a much better time playing in a band together. Totally, totally. I think that that's a really good point to bring up is just like thinking about why you're doing like everything with the band. You know, like why are we recording this EP? Sure. Why are we agreeing to print all of these t-shirts yep why are we uh, saying that we'll play this show right and a lot of times bands don't think about that i've definitely been in bands where it's like oh well the idea is is somebody offers you a show and you take it you take every opportunity and it's like that's that's what bands do man. but like why right you know i mean if every opportunity has a reason yeah cool you know 
there's bands from out of town on this show. Okay, so maybe we can make connections with those touring bands. Maybe it's a band that we really look up to, or maybe they are, you know, who knows? Like maybe you can find a positive reason to play what you're to play that show. But have a fucking Yeah. Maybe you can find a reason to play that show. Sure. But uh most of the time it's just like, you know, I don't want to play a show where I don't feel as if um my band isn't being represented accordingly. Like, you know, I don't want a shitty spot on a show. I don't want to play a place that has shitty sound because I want it to look right. I want it to sound right. And I don't want to really play a show where I'm not convinced that there isn't going to be a new crowd there. I think that you can play consistently like within your town, but still find ways to play in front of new people. And whether that is, you know, taking chances on different venues, like I just said that I didn't want to, whether it's doing that or like getting outside of your social circle and playing with other bands, dropping the egos. Cause a lot of times there are bands that will just like refuse to play with other bands. Right. You know, we've dealt with that a lot, especially in like the metal scene. There's definitely some bands in the Pittsburgh metal scene that are great bands, very talented. And I would love to play shows with them. And we've asked them to play. And there's always some excuse. I totally get it. I totally get it. You know, it's just you don't want to play a show with us because of X, Y, and Z. That's fine. I'll take a mental note and I'll move on. Get upstage. But it's like, you know, (laughs) the thing is like, well, you know, you know that those bands still have their core audience. So it's like, how do you get those people out? You know, it's like one thing where it's like, you know, I understand that maybe you don't give a shit about like having our fan base see your band play. Maybe you're not interested in growing in our way, but we want to grow in your direction. So how do we find a way to get to those people? Because it's like, well, fuck the band. If the band doesn't want to be friends with us, that's fine. But they still have a bunch of fans and people, you know, so it's like always like trying to find those ways because like, you know, playing locally and you get like, you know, 30, 40, 50 people out to a gig. That's that's, you know, it's a good bit of people. Sure. But, you know, whenever Mastodon or some other big band comes through, there's thousands of people at that show. Right. So you know that there is a pool of yep. people They're in the city yep. that like it. You just got to figure out how to get in touch with those fucking people. A lot of it's perception, though, and it's not like that perception comes from nowhere. Like people and it's not just here don't think that it's only pittsburgh where people don't really tend to want to come out and support the local scene that's not the truth um but why do people get it into their heads that going out to see local bands a bunch of fucking bullshit i mean like i remember we were working the door and i don't want to like i don't like saying like oh we had this experience with this venue and everyone's looking like oh i guess that's not a good venue that supports the local scene so i'm not gonna go there but like we were working the door and some of the locals got to come in and they didn't have to pay the cover because they weren't coming back to where the bands were and the owner's like hey straight up i don't even think this venue's still around but the owner's like my regulars don't have to pay the cover i'm like who are they and he's like you'll know normally he didn't let people work the door but he was cool with me and julie he was like you guys can work the door you don't have to pay a door person out of your cut you know what i mean just don't fuck with my business you know what i mean like if they're here to drink and they're not going back to trust me you'll know who they are and we'd be like hey are you here to see the bands and some people were just like no no i'm just here to hang out at the bar and we were like are you here to see the bands and some people were like (laughs) this look where i was like 
hey, uh, would you like to drink some Iron City out of the toilet bowl in the men's room? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? The look I got was like, oh, my God. Like, they they were, you could tell they were visibly put off. Like, it would be the last thing they would ever be caught doing would be come and see a local fucking band at a, at a Pittsburgh bar. And so where does that perception come from? You know what I mean? Like, is that part of what's keeping people from wanting to go out and check out local music? Absolutely. I mean, that perception has a lot to do with, you know, if people think, look at the way things catch online, you know, the way something becomes viral. It just basically enough people are sharing it and enough people are imitating it until people get it into their heads that it's cool or they get it into their head that it's entertaining. Now, every once in a while, something comes along that's just garbage and it's stupid and you're looking at it like, why is this popular? But most of the time that's becoming ha- because it has some sort of substance behind it. But there's plenty of things that nobody knows about that I like that you probably like that aren't popular. And you're just like, why? Why does this become popular? And this is nobody knows about this, you know? Yeah. I don't know. There's people who make good livings figuring that out and then offering those services. But the point being is people have the perception that this is a cool thing to do. We're going to go and do this. People have the perception that this is kind of a fucking lame thing to do. This is kind of like, uh, I don't know, this is busted. This is stupid. Like, why would we waste our time doing it? Then people aren't going to come out. You know? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, there's a few different things with a, a turn off to local music. And there's no one definitive answer for this, right? One of the things that I think certainly doesn't help is a lot of the bigger promotion companies. Agreed. Like maybe, uh, I mean, I'm friends with a lot of the Drusky people, so I'm not throwing you guys under the bus. I love Randy. But I will say this. I love Randy. I think a lot of the times, and I empathize with it because they're booking so many fucking shows and they always are looking for local support. And there's no way to vet those local bands. You know, pretty much Don't just say like that. come on, there's a way. There's a way. I mean it's a lot of legwork well, for I mean, like, there's a couple people that handle this stuff. Yeah. And we're talking dozens of shows, if not, you know, like a, over a hundred shows in a month sometimes. Yeah. And like two people well, not recently, but yeah. You know, yeah, not recently, <laughs> but you know, pre pandemic, right? Fingers crossed. So it gets to a point where, you know, and it's not just like somebody's only job as a like a like somebody that's handling local talent that's not like that's the only thing they do they have a thousand things that they're trying to do right so it just ends up boiling down to this thing where it's like oh i'm trusting that you're reliable and that you can sell these tickets but there's no actual vetting of talent it's more of a concern over selling the tickets so they can help the overhead of the event. Sure. And what that ends up leading into protect the investment as well. Sure. And I totally get that, but you get a lot of bands that are just not ready to be put on that stage in a public sphere. Sure. So if you have people coming out to see like whatever big band, right. And then there's local bands opening and they suck and they suck. Yeah. That is now a a thousand, two thousand people, whoever's at that show, their idea of what the local music scene is, is those fucking 16 year old kids whose parents bought their fucking tickets to play that show. I've seen 16 year olds who fucking rocked and I've seen 35, 40 year olds who fucking sucked. Fair. That's a very (laughs) fair point. Very, very, very fair point. No, but I get what you're saying. I've been in that situation. It was back when we were doing Battle of the Bands, which if you've been in a band for a little while, 
and you haven't figured out the Battle of the Banj is nothing but a bunch of fucking bullshit and a total waste of your fucking time, then I don't know. You haven't been paying attention, but totally like we did great. It was like a uh, where they invite you back kind of thing. And I felt like we were there on merit, but we did sell a lot of tickets, too. And then literally like we saw this young bunch of young kids and she's like, well, how many how many tickets do you guys need me to buy? And I'm just like, man, fuck you. And they sucked. You know what I mean? But like that was a while ago. So. We probably kind of sucked too, you know what I mean? Like, my kid was probably an ugly, ugly little kid too. Um, but it just sucks because, like, if we're not making money off it, then how does it grow? Like, come on now, let's be realistic. Like, if you're not infusing revenue into something aside from, I don't know, just peace and love, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Something that involves some sort of structure, something that, okay, you need a venue, that costs money. You know what I mean? You need gear, that costs money. Like, it's just something, it's not, I don't know. It's not hacky sack where we just go out and fucking next thing you know, there's 30 of us out there because everybody wants to play hacky sack. Like it takes money. It makes the world go round. You know, mm -hmm. how do we keep that from kind of ruining things? Because in, in your example, it's really the fact that the promoter needed to protect their investment and also boost their overhead. But like Pittsburgh, what I've noticed, there's bands that come here that in other cities, they're guaranteed to do three, four hundred in a club and they'll come here and some of them just or, you know, haven't you heard that? Like, we don't oh, catch yeah. on to new music a lot. Like, it'll catch on down in Florida and out in Michigan and even over in, like, fucking, where is it? Like, Wisconsin and shit on their radio stations. We're usually the last to know. You know what I mean? And so a band that's already, like, growing and catching on will go, say, play maybe Cleveland or somewhere around here, Michigan or something. You know what I mean? And they'll do really well. And so a, a Pittsburgh promoter will put them on here. Dude. I've been at shows where the only people there were there to see the local acts and literally everybody split. And I stayed for the band and I was like, this is an awesome band and come to find out they're on Octane and they have a bunch of followers and shit, but they played to an empty house here in Pittsburgh. So like, think of it from the promoter's perspective, they're going to spend five, six G's or more yeah. and maybe have a totally empty house where they just didn't make anything. So like in that instance, they have to rely on these local bands to help them protect their night. Totally. Another huge problem with that is like we're not a we're a working class city oh yeah we're not a a weeknight city sure and but if you're in a touring band thursday's not bad you want to play the bigger markets on weekends sure but here That's people true. really only go out uh, on weekends most of the time touring uh, shows happen here on like mondays tuesdays well, wednesdays dude, when was the last time you saw one of your nationals one of your favorite bands on a weekend here i don't know never never yeah, never i, I can't even only remember. the only bands that do it are like those bands that only play weekends yeah like an iron maiden where yeah. like you know they're 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 on week that you know they have like that production team that comes in sure. they set up on like the friday they play the show on saturday right. then they're off for a fucking week right or like, you know, like a Slipknot or something like that. Like those big production shows. Yep. Um, so I yeah. totally get it. You know, if you're doing, if you're on that, like, you know, mid-level thing where like you're a big band, but you're playing a different city like every fucking night. Like we're the, we're a weeknight thing. We're an in-between. I've also seen a lot of bands like start or end tours in Pittsburgh. So it's almost, we're like a dress rehearsal. Yeah. Or like or an a, afterthought, an afterthought, just yeah. kind of like a, you know, on the way home, we yeah. can make an extra. We're coming here to just party our asses off of, and we'll probably do a set. Somewhere. Yeah, yeah. So I totally, totally get it. I think that another thing with local bands, and I've talked about this at like an exhausting amount on the show, but it's been a while. I think 
uh, because I really haven't talked about having shows in a long time just because it hasn't been a thing for like a year. Yeah, I but, cannot forget what a shows smell like. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> that's really funny. Uh, it's, you know, just as a local band, as a local promoter, just like thinking about those things that make the environment welcoming. You know, uh, even something as simple as like making sure your show starts on time. Like that's a a, a big thing about like people that go out to bigger shows at like a stage AE or, you know, a big production at Mr. Smalls. It's like it's going to start on time. Sometimes the bands are going to be the national doesn't always go on, yeah, on time. Yeah. But usually you're right. Like the first band, but, they kick off when they're supposed to. But for the most part, yeah, it's, right. you know, I mean, you don't have like, yeah, at least if things are off, the environment is welcoming enough where it's like, oh, people can go to the bar and drink. They sure. can go look at merch. There's stuff to do. Yeah. But you bring a bunch of people out to, you know, a smaller venue that maybe doesn't has like there's no amenities. It's not a comfortable space, you know, like some small smoky place where people don't normally smoke and there's overpriced drinks and they're in a weird part of town. It's like, yeah, not welcoming. And then the show starts two hours late. It's like, they don't want to be here to begin with, you know? So it's like, you gotta, you gotta really like, if you're getting people to come out, like you gotta have like, a respect for the audience. I think there's a lot of times people were concerned about like, oh, we want to make sure that the venue isn't upset or we want to make sure that the promoters aren't upset. We want to make sure that the bands are taken care of. And those are all important things. Yeah. But I think that the audience gets overlooked a lot. Yeah. Like thinking about like, we will make sure that the audience is having a good time. I've heard you say that plenty of times and it's a great point because if you're doing a show, you want people to come because you're upset when they don't. So obviously you want them to come and you want them to come back. Right. Right. Yeah, I've heard you say that. It's like bands. I think you were talking about bands specifically, but I, it absolutely you know translates to everybody else who's involved in doing the show. If you're not thinking about what does my audience want, and I had someone kind of like refuted a little bit because they were like, no, no, no. I've heard like producers and other really credible in, you know individuals in the industry say never play to the audience. And I get that as an artist. You don't want to necessarily dumb everything down. You want to make it interesting and different. Make your art you so that it stands out. But everything else functionally, like the the production, yes, consider your fucking audience. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I mean, like in terms of like the art itself and the songs, I'm yeah, not that's like you. Yeah, I think yeah, that everything else should yeah. be the audience and what they like and what they want because it's their decision whether they come out and, and support you or not. Also, most people that I've come across, regardless of like what style of music they typically like if they're in a room watching a live band if the band is good and putting on a good show they don't really seem to care too much about what style of music it is most people like to see people playing in a passionate way and just fucking crushing it like it really doesn't matter what kind of music it is plus i think a lot of times people are almost surprised when a band is doing like a really good fucking job up there yeah it doesn't sound and i'm not saying bands are shit that's not what i'm saying like you know i have a promotion company we put plenty of people up on stage and we don't always look at them like hmm could you be you know touring nationally in five years like are you the fucking man like we vet bands to make sure they're good people to play with but like dude i've put plenty of bands up on stage and and i wasn't my ear wasn't fooled into believing for a second that i was listening to a sign touring national but like 
so many bands get up there that I think what what we've been alluding to, which is like, be honest with yourself about what you're really doing. You know what I mean? Like bands who probably should stick to the smaller, just bars and shit where you're playing for your friends because they're not putting the level of effort and time and attention and money and all the other shit it takes to really kind of like, you know, polish your project yeah. up. They want to get into bigger shows and play clubs and shit like that. And there's the promoter who just needs you to sell fucking tickets, you know, and then they get put in that spot. Like, I think here anyway, I'm just going to say it like I'm often surprised when I hear a local band that doesn't sound like what I think of as a local band. You know what I mean? And how many times have you seen like memes and shit where people are like, support your local scene. They're everybody as good as the nationals. And it's like, yeah, but are they, you know what I mean? Like, not always <laughs> like that Thor meme where he's like, mm, what are they? Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. I think that, you know, one of the issues for me with, uh, a local music scene is sometimes that like people can be a little bit, too nice and too passive and like i don't support being mean at all but i think that there is you know there should be kind of like a place for bands that just aren't ready for a certain stage yet yeah like from an outsider perspective right people that aren't in bands people that are just genuine like attendees of an event like things they don't look at things the way that we do. They don't have the empathy for artists that we do. Like if you're a band playing on like a big stage and you show up and like everybody looks like they're a member of a different band. Like they're not like, they don't have like the right look. They don't have the right demeanor. They don't know how to talk to the crowd. It's going to rub people the wrong way. I mean, I know as a person, it doesn't really fucking matter if one person's wearing shorts and everybody else has jeans, but to somebody that is used to going to shows where they're seeing high level acts that put a lot of thought into those little details, like making sure everybody's hair looks good before they go on stage and you fucking go on stage and you all look like fucking like sheets employees. People are going to be like, what is this? What am I looking at? It's going to come off as like looking cheap, even if the band is really good. So it's like, wow, I don't like support that thought. You can't change the way that the average consumer looks at things. And if you want to go to the next level with your band, you got to start thinking about those things and kind of come to terms with accepting the reality that like, you got to start being a little bit more vain, tapping into that ego and thinking about how normal people look at you. Even if you're not looking to take it to the next level, if you want people to come see you, cause I've run into this issue and I've run into it time and time again, where People definitely, you know, players or bands, they definitely want people to come. You know what I mean? They want them to show up. But then it's like, well, why don't we do something that we know people like a little bit more? And I'm not talking, dude. I know you've dealt with them. The sensitive artist type, you ask them to change one note or one little thing they're doing. And they look at you like you tried to sacrifice their firstborn child. Sure. I'm just talking about in general. Let's consider who we want as our as our fans. Who are we going after? And that's sort of come up with some strategy and gear what we're doing towards that. Like, okay, maybe you don't like skinny jeans. I get it. Get you all bunged up. You like some room. You'd rather wear, you know, your whatever you like to wear. I don't even know, dude. But if you're not willing to look at the fact that you're trying to entertain somebody for, especially local bands playing for 45 minutes to an hour, God damn it, man. Like, 
bands that played for an hour, all originals, no covers. And dude, like, I mean, I understand. Like, we don't, most of us, we don't get into playing music. We're not passionate about being in a fucking cover band because that's someone else's music. A lot of us were artists. Depends if you're a player or whether you're a creator, you know, nothing bad about either, you know, but plenty of people who are in local bands, they're in it because they feel that they have something to share. You know, they love music. They want to be a part of it. They want to share their talent with other people. Like, I don't know. I don't think you could ever explain in words why someone feels compelled to get up there and put themselves out there and, pretty much expose themselves to what you were just saying, the harsh judgments of other people to share their art with the world. But if you're there to entertain people, I'm not here to fucking entertain people. All I'm here to do is do my thing. Well, God damn it. Go do it in your bedroom. You know what I mean? Like, why do you need to get up on stage? Why do you need to involve a business, which is a venue? Why do you need to solicit people to come see your event? If you really don't give a fuck what they think you do, but your attitude tells you that you shouldn't have to, and that's where I think the entitlement comes in. Like, if you're going to play a show, you are there to entertain people, and if you're not, do not bother. That doesn't mean you get up there and you're a fucking cheerleader and you try and be somebody you're not, you know, um, or play a bunch of music that you hate because that's the most common misconception is, oh, if I'm working with a producer or if I want a commercial sound or if I want this or want that. Any little thing that goes towards polishing your shit up and letting someone else come into your project and and help you – it's always some guy in a fucking suit that's trying to turn me into something I'm not. And it's like, bro, are you signed? Like, is there a $250,000 contract involved? Well, then trust me. No one's sitting there trying to get you to play music that you don't want to play. They're probably just trying to help you sound a little bit better, and you've got an attitude about it. Like, yeah. Unless there's a record contract where the label is paying a producer, and they're saying, we want them to sound like this, and we're going after this demographic, then it's a different story. But like in a local project, if you involve someone who knows how to do something, and they make some helpful suggestions, trust me, they're not trying to turn you into sync because they have no there's no agenda there like what the fuck does it benefit them we just i think a lot of us came up with certain misconceptions like i don't know about you but i know i used to think that a lot of professional bands who were in like legit sign bands and were working with labels it was all about like well now the guy in the suit with the cigar comes out Tells them exactly how to dress, tells them exactly what to play, tells them exactly what to write. You know what? If fucking A&R people and record people could do that, they wouldn't need musicians and artists because we're a huge fucking pain in the ass. Like a lot of us like to do drugs. We're unruly and like we're just a pain in the ass. Like artists are a fucking pain in the ass. Like we typically are. We're very nice people. We're empathetic. Some of us without the ego. But we tend to be difficult to work with because we've all got this vision. You know what I mean? If they could just take a bunch of puppets and dress them up and and put them through, you know, training and, and, and teach them about music theory and teach them how to play their instrument. If they could literally just craft that from the top up and just say, this is our product. All we need is someone who's basically like an actor who can play music. They would just do that. Well, I mean, they that, wouldn't put up with us. I mean, that does happen. It does, but how far does it go? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it, it happens, and I don't think there's really anything wrong with that. It's just a different. It's almost like, you know, a producer is like, like a like a director of a movie. Yeah. And like, you know, this producer has a story, and they just need to find actors to fill the role. Yeah. You know, and that has happened with bands in the past. I'm sure. It and has. it's it's I a different thing. I don't think it's happening in our genre quite as much though. Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe in like the 
the 80s or the 90s. I'm sure there was like people that tried to assemble like grunge bands, people that tried to assemble hair metal bands. Yeah. I mean, people, we've all seen the gimmick band where you could tell. I just don't think that it happens that much anymore yeah. because there's such a wider pool of distribution thanks to the internet. Sure. It's really flipped the script of everything and like anybody can make themselves look like a professional band now. Right. You couldn't really do that in the eighties or nineties. You didn't have the fucking tools to do it. Yeah. But the other thing too is like a lot of us playing in local projects. If you're not in a position where you can tour, we have to, in my opinion, you got to get square with the idea somehow that if you cannot go out and tour, I'm going to say like it's probably like 97, 98% chance you're only going to be able to amass so big an audience. You know what I mean? Sure. I mean, if you can't go out and tour, I would say, you know, if you want to be a band that is... uh, There's anomalies, you know, that make uh, it huge on the internet. Sure. There's a band like, like bands like Spirit Box. I love I love that band to fucking death. Yeah, they're finally um, do. And you know, they're just more focused on like cre- like writing really really good songs, yeah. pushing hard on digital content, yeah. putting up cool music videos, sure. doing cool in studio stuff. Yeah. And I'm sure they'll tour whenever they need to. Yeah. But it's just a matter of like they're a really fucking good band and they don't have the capability to maybe tour in the way that they want to right now. Yeah. But they're putting out good shit and they're using the internet in a very smart way. And I think that's what a lot of us should be looking at as local artists. And that's honestly, that's where my head's at. You know what I mean? I got a job like I can't, I could, but I'm not just going to walk away from my job and go live in a van for six to eight weeks and be like, well, we're all going to jump out of a plane together with no parachute on. It's like, dude, when I was 20, 25, even going into my 30s, like I was in a position to do that. I'm no longer in a position to do that. So like, and I think that's where a lot of individuals get jaded with their project and with just music in general and the whole scene. You know, how many times is it some, sometimes it's some young punk, but a lot of times someone's really bashing the scene. You look at them, they're in their forties. They never really got to where they felt like they could have gotten to like they're just fucking bitter but yeah as we get older if you haven't rocketed to stardom and found your way into a touring project where your dream came true like what do you do do you just give up and quit like we have to learn to adapt and re like me personally i had to reevaluate, and this is hard stuff to talk about you know what i mean like i mean how many people wouldn't like to be in a serious touring band Maybe it's not about fame or maybe it's not even about money. Just having an audience where thousands, maybe even millions of people listen to your art. I mean, come on now. I'll be pretty fucking cool. Yeah, you you got to use the internet. That's the, I don't, I don't think that like any band that isn't well known already could, I don't see the point of touring right now. Sure. Honestly. Right now. Um, you know. Even if the they, music scene, even, music business has never even, seen a period like this. Before. Even prior to the pandemic, yeah. I don't see the point of a band, especially like a rock driven band with members that are in their 30s yeah. that are just pushing out to new markets right now. Why are you trying to play anywhere that's not your hometown on a weeknight? You're out of your fucking mind. Yeah. You're out of your goddamn mind. And it's like, sure, if you are like a younger indie band and you could play like some all ages stuff on weeknights, early shows, there's a there's a market there for that. But for like our kind of stuff, we're like, you know, we're either playing bars or small clubs. You got to play those places on weekends. Yeah. So it's like you're better off 
just like weekend warrioring it, whether it's, I know it's a bit more of a pain in the ass, especially if you want to get far, like if you're talking like you want to get like 10, 12 hours outside of your city, yeah. those drives, yeah. that's a fucking nightmare. Especially but when you you're go gonna, yeah. and it's not what it, what you thought it it's going to be, be but that's you have a much balls. better chance of playing a show that's worth it if yeah. you go out on a Thursday, Friday or Saturday Absolutely. than taking that time and off work and doing all of this shit yeah. you know to play shows cuz like what's our target demographic right now it's people our age right i mean i'm sure you feel like that like people that you know grew up in the late 90s early 2000s that are into that like all that like club rock sound that you guys do you know we're with gray walker like our fan base is people our age and maybe some people that are a little bit younger that are into you know metalcore american death metal that sort of stuff yeah you know younger kids aren't into that now you know a lot of the i think that there's a lot more stuff like like bands like spirit box who i think they're a great band but it's a lot more um it's a lot more of like a melodic metalcore yeah and they also incorporate a lot of the like not necessarily genty elements, but you know, like breakdowns, low tunings, groove focus sort of things. They incorporate electronics yeah. and it's kind of like hard to pigeonhole them into like one specific genre. Even There's, heavier bands, I noticed they have sort of an indie influence now. Yeah. And a lot of what I hear in metal nowadays is like a pop influence. Sure. Heavy, man. Like sure. Octane, if you listen to Octane, it's the type of shit that when I was coming up listening to Metallica, we would have been like, this is bitch music and now I listen to it and I like it. Sure, so, yeah. You think about like bands that are driving the market on a, in a big way. Bands like uh, Bring Me the Horizon yeah. or Architects. Oh, so different you know, than what they used to yeah, be. Bring yeah. Me used to be so heavy. And I honestly didn't listen to their older stuff. And my buddy uh, Jason Kazora, he's like, dude, did you ever listen to their older stuff? And I was like, no. And I listened to it and I was just like, wow, man, it's almost like they hired Michael Jackson, you know? But the cool thing about a band like Bring Me the Horizon is that they have been. Um, They've stayed relevant for what, 50 Well, they create years? the trends yeah. and they always have. Yeah. The thing is, like, I get anytime they put out an album, yeah. like over the past decade, every record that they've put out, I've heard people like shit on it or sure. say that they don't understand it. Yeah. Six months later, yep. every fucking band yep. sounds like it. Yep. And I'll be honest, I like Bring Me. I was never into their old stuff, but I, I really dig it. I mean, I don't, I, man, I grew up listening to Iron Maiden and Metallica. I loved it, Megadeth. I mean, I was the quintessential fucking long-haired boot wearing just you know what i mean like out outcast of society and i still love that music but these people who are like oh man this new music and i'm not going to repeat it because it's usually pretty derogatory but this pussy stupid yeah totally, sound totally. And put a butt plug up your ass fucking you know what i mean like, well it, it's it's they just, just shit yeah. all over it and it's like but then i listen to bands who were doing the same style of music that was popular in the late 80s and 90s like old school thrash and i'm just not even if they're really good it doesn't grab me because i've already heard this done and as good as this is this hit the fucking height it was as good as it was ever ever going to get in 1995 or maybe even earlier and it's like i'm sorry but this is come and gone like there's nothing else that you can do with this it's all been done it's moved on and so now even though i still love bands like older Metallica, you know what I mean? Old Megadeth, like Iron Maiden, stuff that was popular late 80s uh, throughout the 90s. I still love that music. Those aren't the bands I'm listening to right now. Like a new band coming out that sounds like they did 15, 20 years ago, it doesn't grab me. Yeah, it's really interesting when you think about, you know, how music 
is only going to continue to evolve. And I think people need to get over that. It's like, you know, it's not going to be the 80s forever. It's not going to be the 90s forever. It's not going to be the 2000s forever. You know, it's like when we're talking about like heavy metal, it's such a young genre of music. You know, maybe 50 years old at the most if you want to like stretch back to like sabbath and right. things like, like that well, like yeah. yeah people call out led zeppelin saying they sure sure early contributors but like everything has evolved so much i mean like you know zeppelin to sabbath is a big change sure. sabbath to fucking what would be like some 70s shit like sabbath to like a uh a rush or something more progressive is yep. a huge change and yep. then you go from that into a Metallica into a Slayer into right. a Cannibal Corpse right. into a Cradle of Filth and right. like all of these huge bands that have been like it just gets dynamically more diverse dynamically more extreme and like you know there's always going to be people that prefer like a more traditional sound but sure. you have to be willing to accept that it. it's going to continue to evolve and it gets to a point where you just start like putting it it's like you know there's only there's only so many genres, right? And eventually like this Venn diagram, like everything kind of starts to, all the bubbles start to intersect sure. and then you end up with like all the subgenres. Yeah. yeah. And it, it goes fucking crazy. And the so fusion and all this other shit and we're melodic grindcore, progressive death and, metal. And it gets to the point where you have to include so many subgenres. It's like, dude, we're a fusion. And it's know? like, and youth drives the culture and you yeah. got to understand that it's like, you know, people that are 16 years old now. Yeah don't care about what you listened to when you were 16. Right. And Same that's, way we didn't give a shit about what yeah, our parents exactly, listened to when they were younger. Exactly. And, you know, maybe, you know, people get younger and they, or people grow up <laughs> and they develop an appreciation for all different styles of music. Yeah. But, you know, it's only going to get when you're young. I mean, there are, yeah. there, there's always that kid who's into older school music. You know what I mean? Like I, I remember having friends of mine who really liked classic rock and stuff like, oh, that. yeah, but typically, you like what's popular right now and kids don't know why they like it and they don't really care and they do not give a fuck that you piss all over it and that you think your music was better because none of us are immune to that well, I think thinking it's... that music was better in my day. Mm-hmm. We used to actually play our instruments and we didn't have everything you know, loaded on a laptop and that's not a real musician and blah, blah, fucking blah. I mean, the bottom line is I've heard you say it, man, like we're all just doing what we love and we're all trying to find a way to get our music out there. Do we really need to piss all over one another and look down on each other because this person goes this route and prefers this medium and I'm old school. We play our instruments we write our own songs i mean everybody has their own preferences i don't know i I, people like you and sid riggs really kind of got me out of some of my my be hurt like i don't know you know what i mean like fuck that emo stuff that's pussy music you know and then i've listened to some of it especially the fusion where like i mean if you listen to bullet like dude bullet never would have existed without emo you know people call it screamo and stuff like that like People who are loyal to one hard line of music and they they hate all other styles of music, like, I'm sorry, man, there, there's nothing more off-putting to me than someone who's a part of a counterculture, which is against the mainstream, but then is exclusive in their little pocket of the counterculture and pisses all over everybody else, you know, and their subgenres or or their styles. I mean, none of us were really that popular in high school, like... Yeah. Just chill out. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, I've said it ten thousand times. If it was high school, we all would have sat at the same lunch table. Sure. You know, we all got stuff thrown at us. And, yeah, yeah. You know? you know, it's like you know, you know, 
you you're you know you're the weird kid in the Jimi hendrix t-shirt i'm the weird kid in the corn t-shirt right. but nobody wants to hang out with us so we're chilling <laughs> right. but as you get older it gets a little bit weirder and people sure. tend to yeah. kind of go into their own little bubbles and they form their own cliques and stuff like that yeah and that's another criticism i've heard about our scene, trust me, it's not just our scene. Oh, it's clicky and these people only give these people shows and stuff like that. And it's like, do you not realize like you, like you said, you don't know everybody. I don't know everybody. Like as a promotion company, we did our best to branch out and diversify and break out of our friends group and break out of the genres we were comfortable with to try and include as many different people. But like you have to be connected to someone through someone to find them. There's a few cases where maybe we just found a really cool band online and we reached out to him cold and said, hey, would you like to play a show? You know? Yeah. But typically, it's all about networking and you branch out through people that you know. So like if you're kind of feeling like I'm in my project over here and everybody's all either you look at the scene like, well, these people over here play shows together and I don't get invited to them or or these types of bands get put on these bigger shows for nationals and, and I never get considered like if you're over here and you feel like there's a group or or, or there's like a, a company or there's a um, uh, like a bunch of bands working together and you're not included in their thing. I'm sorry. We're all busy. We're not all looking around for ways to find the one group or the one person who's out on the periphery. Like I actually would do that sometimes. I'd be like this band. I never hear them get a show. They're really good. I want to bring them in and give them a show. But typically like you work with people, you know, it's not necessarily there is the exclusion like, you know, uh, the clickiness where it's like, oh, well, we're part of this subgenre and we piss on everything else and we laugh at you because you do something that sounds kind of like, um, you know, like new metal and I hate new metal. Yeah. But typically, like, people work together because they know each other. You know what I mean? Part of it is just liking people and wanting to work with them. Part of it is I know you, you're dependable, you're not going to show up 45 minutes late for your set and totally fuck me in the last minute and be like, oh, our drummer can't make it, we're not going to play tonight, you know? Um People work with who they know because it's just how it works. And it doesn't mean that there's this coalition of individuals and they're de deliberately excluding you. Like, take yeah. a chance. Put yourself out there. Introduce yourself to <laughs> that, somebody. That, 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 is, that sort of mindset is like the type of ego that you should be getting away from. Like, nobody cares about you or your band that much. To deliberately exclude you. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, trust me. Right. And I think it's human nature in general to kind of, you know create a, a bubble or a circle of reliable people and to go with that. Sure. I, that's out even outside of doing anything artistic. It's you just got to really check yourself and make sure that you're not doing that. You right. know, as a band like with Greywalker, we deliberately we're always like thinking about like what bands are we playing with, especially on a local thing where it's like, okay, like when's the last time we played this venue? When's the last time we played with these bands? Like it was it doesn't make sense for us to do this because we just did this, right? You know, and it's not that. So, it's like, what? Who are some other bands that we can reach out to? And for me, it was always a huge deal to try to find like a younger band that is maybe just starting to, to get some shows because sure. it's like, you know, it's like if you're maybe not a great band yet, but you're fucking cool and yeah. there's potential. Yeah, I want you guys to open up our show because right. we have a 
cool group of people that come out and see us that enjoy live music. And I want to give you guys that opportunity. Right. That's huge, you know, to give younger bands that place to reach out to those bands, because a lot of times they don't know who to reach out to or they, you know, feel weird. Right. So if you're in a position, you know, where you are a band that's also working as a promoter and keep an eye on the scene, like know who is doing stuff. It doesn't take much effort to see who's playing shows, what new bands are happening, and just be aware of those things and reach out to those people. I mean, there's been times where we reach out to bands, we invite them on, and either, you know, they're not very, very good and they're not really enjoyable to be around. And it's like, okay, well, we try. Yeah. That's it. You know what I mean? And then there's times where, you know, there's bands that, you know, we expect, we're not so sure about it. Like maybe we heard something about them or, you know, I saw them once like two years ago and it wasn't very good. And I was like, okay, whatever. But, you know, we want to reach out and work with different bands. Here it turns out in the past two years, you know, they got a new singer. They've written some songs and now they're fucking killer. Right. So it's like you got to come back around and give people a chance to because like bands a lot of times, especially on a local sense, it takes a while for them to figure things out. There's going to be a lot of lineup changes. They're going to work through stuff. So uh, I know first impressions always seem to really last with people. But in a local music scene, you got to be a little bit more patient and be willing to check back in with bands like every year or so and see like what like you guys are still playing shows what are you up to what has changed what is different well and there's a lot of like uh i mean there's a high turnover with bands too yeah you know what i mean how many how many uh, you could probably think of at least a dozen if i gave you a piece of paper in five minutes you could probably think of at least a dozen bands who you either used to play with or you used to go see or who were prominent in the scene around here and who are just gone, Mm -hmm. you know, it's really, and that's honestly another thing that's been really hard for gray Walker was that in our particular niche of music that we do, there aren't a whole lot of other bands that make sense on paper for us to play with. Sure. So we've always adapted that mentality of just like, yo, if you're, if you're, if you do any sort of loud guitar shit and you're cool to hang out with, we want to play with you. Sure. Like I'm all about like, you know, on paper, it's like Grey Walker and Winter's Descent were two very different bands. Yeah. If you but were I will play, a national show, yeah. it wouldn't necessarily make sense. But I would play a show with you guys any fucking time because you guys promote you put on a good fucking show and you're not miserable to be around. Right. That's like all I'm asking for right. now. Just don't make me fucking don't turn something I love into something I hate. That's really what I'm asking of you. <laughs> and that's not much to ask. You know, and man, like you said, with the egos, that's not, I think that's really the main thing. Let's cut through all the bullshit. That's the main thing that's bringing the scene down is people's fucking egos, you know, and I don't understand where it comes from. I don't Yeah, I know it's not specific to music. But like I was just saying, we're all just doing what we love. Like, you know, I mean, I've been in bands with people like that before who just like they always had something negative to say about somebody else, you know. And I remember saying this to somebody who I was in a band with. I was like, hey, motherfucker, why don't you stop talking about other bands and musicians and start talking to them? Sure. You know what I mean? Like everybody who's not really making any progress for the most part, in my opinion, this is something Sid told me. This is the same deal in the national scene where people are making serious money, playing serious shows and putting shit out. that goes not just fucking national, but international for the most part, if you're a fucking asshole and you're a piece of shit, 
people don't want to work with you. Yeah. Now, when there's money involved, are you going to put up with it for a contract that involves hundreds of thousands of dollars? Absolutely. You're always going to have individuals who suck to work with, and they probably have that reputation in the business, like, oh, we got to put up with this motherfucker over here. But, like, seriously, like, if you're over there sitting there like the kid with fucking lice that nobody wants to play with, Maybe you should stop being so down on everybody and everything and maybe take a look at yourself because, man, that's just for me. That's an axiom of life. Like when I'm looking around, everything sucks. Everything is dog shit. Everybody's an asshole. You know, who's the asshole? It's, it's probably me. I'm probably just stuck in a negative frame of mind and I need to get over myself and just chill. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like get reinvolved and reinvest in something with someone else trying to help somebody else like the best thing for me when i'm getting in that mindset like man nothing's happening with my project things are getting really stale find somebody new and work with them like lee is always telling me that he's like dude just go and work with another artist it doesn't always have to be like we're gonna do this big collaboration and it's gonna feature my band and your band and it's gonna help us promote like do some shit just to do it you know what i mean just to get outside of your bubble just to get outside of your comfort zone just work with somebody new and have a new experience because man like some of the best things i've done that really helped me grow as a musician and as an artist um just as a person was when i did something that at first i was like the you know it was really uncomfortable for me um and it wasn't in my wheelhouse and then it kind of opened my world up to something broader you know we've been talking this whole time about like well, how do we get people out to see the local scene? You know, how, how do we get more people past this idea that, you know, local bands, it's just a bunch of loud screaming feedback and, you know, a singer who can barely sing. I don't know, man, you hit on it several times. And it's something that my wife, Julie, and I were very conscious of with Twist of Fate, our promotion company is it's every bit as much about a sense of community as it is the music. Now, come on, the music got to be there. We talked about it several times. If the music sucks, I mean, if something irritates me, I'm probably not going to want to be around it again. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, guitars are way too loud. The singer doesn't really know what he's doing. Like, it's irritating. I can't wait until you're done. You know what I mean? The levels are just off the chart, and it just it's, – it's abrasive. It's not pleasant. I want this to be over as quick as I can. But you can have great music, and if you don't have that sense of community, why? Like, why? Like, we could go to a really nice place with great atmosphere, and the food is good, but if the company sucks – I'm probably not going to want to come back. You yeah. Know? Like people want to see their friends at a show. Like people maybe want to feel like they might meet a cute girl at a show. You know what I mean? People who are single, like all the things that draw people to other social situations are the same things that need to be present when you're putting together a local music you know, scene. You yeah. Know I mean? You know, that's why I honestly, a lot of times, a lot of people will say this like oh like people go to shows and like they just watch their friends fucking bands and then they don't watch the other bands they just hang out and talk to each other okay there's a community there right that's great right. you know what is the big fucking deal sure maybe it sucks you know maybe you know gray walker brought 40 people to the show and winter's descent brought 20 people i'm not Throwing yeah. you guys under the bus, just yeah, yeah, yeah. two examples, right? And our forty people were just hanging out in the other side of the room when you guys play. Yeah, but maybe ten of them were yeah. like, you know what? These guys are pretty good. I'm yeah. gonna come over and check them out. And then, like you said, you do that cross pollination thing where maybe even if they're not diehard fans, the next time we play with someone who they go to see, they'll be like, oh, I saw these guys and, last time. They're good. Let's go check and them that, out. And honestly. I can hang out and talk to friends and watch a band from the other side of the room sure. and still pay attention to both. Right. 
You know, I'm not like ignoring a band. I don't have to be like standing there with a fucking clipboard taking notes of every single band that I watch. A lot of us have been going to shows for three fourths of our lives at this point. You know, it's like we're able to engage with live music on a way where it's like I don't have to like 100 percent look at every single band. Right. And everything that they're doing, it's like I can still interact with the community aspect of this show. It's a beautiful thing. If there's a lot of people that are coming out just because they want to see each other and the music isn't the hugest deal in the world, that's okay. That's a let tough those pill, let those people do their thing. That because it's still a community. Because like those people are just enjoying the event in a different way. Sure, they're probably still happy that there's a band playing in the background. They may even be into it. They're still probably they might buy a fucking shirt. Sure, it doesn't fucking matter. But if that's just one person where all they're doing is dumping fifty bucks at the bar, right? That helps the bar and that helps. The venue is going to want to do more shows. Exactly. Because they made every little piece of the puzzle is important. Yeah. It's all. And that's a tough pill to swallow, too. But because from an artist standpoint, I mean, come on now, dude. How much time do you invest in whether it's lyrics or whether it's your melodies or whatever? Like we put our heart and soul into something. And so like, hey, this is the part that I've been working on. I I stayed up late last night to make sure I got it perfect because it's a newer tune. And I look out there and this isn't one of those moments where most of the crowd's really paying attention. Like it does suck, but it's not all about you. You know what I mean? Like that's another thing too, is like national artists tend to get that rapt attention. You know what I mean? They tend to, and I mean, even at a local, like even at a national show, you're still hanging out with your buddies. Like you're there to have a good time. You weren't sitting there glued. Even a band, if it's your favorite band, like unless you're a diehard music fan, there are those people where you try and talk to them in the show. They're like, shut the fuck up and leave me alone. I'm here for them, not you. But it tends to be more like national bands. They get a little bit more of that rapt attention where people come and they're literally just there to be totally absorbed in what you're doing a hundred percent of the time. Well, when you think of like a big venue where half the venue is the stage versus playing a bar, you're in a small corner tucked away. Sure. That's like, you know, big venues. It's like you're set up to like all attention is at the stage, right? Like it is, that is, the way that the room is set up so it's like no matter what direction you're standing in it's like the stage is there yeah but a lot of these smaller clubs or a place like you know the moose right where like the bar is like in the opposite end kind of down those steps and you get a lot of people that kind of congregate down there it's really easy to get separated from the room because it's just it's a different environment but i think that you know the thing too like an ego thing with bands it's just like Again, and the ugly kid thing, you could have worked your ass off on a part and maybe it's not hitting the way that you thought it would live. Maybe that's just not the crowd, but also maybe that part just isn't as good as you thought it was. Like, that's the thing, too, is like sometimes if you're a band and you're fucking playing a show and nobody's really paying attention, like if you're putting in your fucking work, like all you can do and the stuff is good, people will start to pay attention yep you know i mean there's been plenty of times where like i'm like half paying attention and then something just happens where like i am completely pulled out of whatever i'm doing and i'm like what is happening on the stage right now and dude that's a great feeling i can't tell you how many times i've been up on stage and people weren't really feeling it i've literally we started doing a thing where uh one part in the song i would jump i've jumped off some pretty high stage there was a few stages where i was gonna do it and i was like 
Yeah, I don't want to break my ankle. Today. But <laughs> people were on their phones. They were just kind of dicking around, you know. And I was just like, nah, fuck this. We worked hard on this song. And I literally jumped right into the crowd and started, not aggressively, but getting right in people's faces, like grabbing people by the shoulder, you know. Yeah, I mean? totally. Um, And it pulled them right back in, you know. When, you, when you're in a spot where people aren't, it's not that they're not feeling you, like people aren't booing you and shit, but especially when you're the front man, you're very attuned. I don't know about you, but I'm very attuned to the crowd. Like yeah. I know when people are paying attention, yeah. you know, and it's so hard to put your blood and well, sweat and tears and put, pour your soul out there into the performance when you can tell you're only connecting with maybe a small percentage of the audience. But yeah. when you do bring them around, man, that is a good feeling. Well, that's what I'm talking about with having that ego on the stage and keeping it on the stage. Yeah. You know, you want to have a little bit of that attitude. It's right. almost like, like a, like a punk rock ethos where it's like, no motherfucker, you pay attention to me. Right. And you can try and maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't. Sure. But it's all you can do is fucking try. Sometimes, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that the just try. Right. Try to And make, if it doesn't happen yeah. that time, don't get a hurt ass over it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's not because people looked at you and decided that you were shit. Yeah, I mean, and not everybody is going to like you. Yeah. You know, you can be really, really good at what you're doing and play a great show, but maybe it's just not the right crowd. Sure. And maybe you, you know, learn from those experiences and also, too. Yeah, and it's like, you know, sometimes like you could be fucking playing your ass off, but the room sounds like shit and there's nothing you could do about it. No, so no. it's like, you and know. You can't do shit about a sound guy who doesn't want to do his job. Learn how to talk to sound guys. That, <laughs> that, 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 that is. Dude, that a, guy can a, make or break you. A, do not. And some of them are dicks. They are. It's like everybody's microcosm of society. I've had some sound guys that were great to work with. Some of them, they're literally just there to collect money for the night. Oh, and yeah. Drink and they don't give a fuck about your set. But. I'm going to say more times than not, if you're not connecting with the sound guy, it's because you said something to piss him off. Like, he's not a monkey to run around and do your bidding. Like, he has an important job there to do, too. And if you're getting frustrated, have a respectful conversation with him and say, hey, I don't get what I get and what I need to get in the monitors up here or like something's not happening the way we need it to happen. It's important. Have a conversation with that guy before you're set. Don't say, hey, man, you're going to do this, this and this because this is how we do it. But just get on a vibe with him. Like I've connected with sound guys and it has made things go so much smoother. The sound guy can make your life easy or he can make your life. Live yeah. yeah no. A lot of it is on you. Yeah. I think that, you know, it's always for me, you know, I always I can usually tell what a sound person is going to be like uh, just in the first interaction. Yeah. You know, uh, if we're not, uh, if we're playing a new club, especially if we're somewhere out of town, um, and if we're not opening, I always, like, in the back of my head, I'm just kind of, like, looking at, like, how is the sound tech interacting with the band during stuff? Are they actually, like miking things yeah. what's their attitude like how are they mixing things behind the board and right you get away. an idea of how yeah. much they care or they yeah. don't care right away that was so what I was to say is i'm trying to gauge do you give a shit yeah i'm on my own up here and then at least i know that you know oh yeah that's yeah. the thing is it's like you know so i could start running around to the guys and right. being like look they're not miking cabs tonight they're only doing this with the drum so let's accordingly yep. let's set up things yep. and be ready for this And if you play enough shows then you can have a strategy you have a game plan you know and that's what i think some bands forget is like when you get up there the first maybe it's not the first couple times but maybe you're not a really seasoned live player expect to get your fucking ass kicked yeah dude it's 
if it's going to go wrong, whether it's technical, whether it's performance wise, whether it's whatever, just something that goes wrong that you could not have foreseen, it is going to happen in a show. It is Murphy's Law. 90% of the time, if something gets fucked up, you'll have a part that you nail every single time. You guys know it like the back of your hand. You'll fuck it up at a show. Mm-hmm. You're you're amped up. You know, you got people talking. There's noise. You're you're playing in a different setting. You're, you're uh, you know, you're you're running your your setup differently than you normally do in your rehearsal space. I mean, getting used to playing out live and rolling with the punches is every bit as important as doing your job up there and performing well. That's like probably the best thing that a band can get from playing shitty shows <laughs> is experience. Is it, yeah, you get the experience of like, oh, what is it like? Sure. Playing without floor monitors. Yep. What Especially is it? as a singer, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I can't hear myself. You look at him like, first time, dude? Like, I can almost never hear myself. And for me, that's like what I learned was I set up my own inner monitor system, and I don't even rely on the board now because every single time I would try and get a line from the board yeah. so that I had a signal from my, it either didn't work or I could barely hear it. You know what I mean? Like, as much as I can control up on the stage so that I don't have to rely on Now, when you start playing bigger shows and you have really good sound guys that get paid really well, it's a little bit of a different story. But come on now. Sometimes this guy might be making 40, 50 bucks for the night. And you're like, well, that's $50. And it's like, okay, when you work, uh, you know, your job all day long, like how much do you expect? How do you feel when someone undervalues you? Yeah, but the thing too, it's like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's like those guys aren't making a lot of money and a lot of times some of them are you know they've they've worked another job all day and it's like they just don't care but a lot of the times like there are sound people in pittsburgh a couple people i won't name but i will say that they are like notoriously hard to work with sound engineers people are not fans of them sure but i've talked with them and we're cool and it'll be a situation where like we might be the only band that sounds decent that night just because I know how to talk to this person. Sometimes you just got to like tell people what you need in a way that isn't like talking down to them and just be like really simple with them and also understand the way that rooms work. Like a room like the Smiling Moose, you don't need to fucking play with your guitar amps, crank that 11 and all of this shit. It's a small room. And a lot of times, especially with our loud guitar bands, everybody wants to rip it super duper loud. And then it's going to sound like shit. It's like play low, right? The sound tech is going to mix it. So it sounds really good in the room. You can get a good monitor mix. If you're not fucking blasting everything out. Yep. Once you turn your monitors up so loud or your your amps, whatever you're running through, yeah. once you hit a certain point, unless you're in a really big room, there's only so much a sound guy can do, you know, because it's really easy to be critical of the sound guy. Sound guy well, maybe you're doing something on yeah, stage it's like, that he literally just, dude, I can fucking mix you all day long. And you guys, like you said, you've got your cabs cranked. You're all playing out of fucking full stacks. You're cranked. Like there's yeah. nothing I can do to make your band sound good. Yeah. It's like this isn't practice. It's like, you know, you're not in a weird rehearsal space without a proper PA where everybody needs to be cranked at 11 so they can hear each other. Right. It's like you're in a room that has been at least somewhat like. The Moose is a small room, but it's been treated to sound really good as long as the band isn't a dick about the sound. Cooperate. You know, just if, you know, that's the thing is like a lot of times you get this idea in your head as a band that you know what's best for your band and your sound. Sure. But if you're in a room that you've never played before and there's a sound tech that's been working there for four years 
take their advice. Right. <laughs> just take their advice, even right. if you think that it's wrong, especially if you've seen the other bands playing that night and it's been sounding okay. Right. Take their advice. Put the prima donna shit. Yeah, that, man. Because I know what it's like. I know what it's like to be up there, be performing your ass off, and you can tell you're just not sounding good, and it's out of your fucking hands, and there's nothing you can do. Your fucking attitude, you getting all bent out of shape and butt hurt. What you were able to salvage from that experience is now totally shot because the crowd can see you're not having fun. You don't really want to be up there and trust me. Like, and that's another thing too. It can be hard for some people who have like um, either like social anxiety or, um, you know, like eh, some people they want to perform, but they're like, I hate being up on stage. I hate everybody looking at me. Like it is really tough to get into somebody's music when you can tell they are just shit scared to be up there. Sure. Especially when your singer's like, hey, everybody, we're going to play some songs. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> people want that bigger-than-life attitude. They don't want the the arrogance and the, the, the ego that comes with it, but they do want to feel like they're here to see somebody that's worth seeing, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, I don't know. That's another thing, you know? Like, getting past, like... Just being comfortable up there, being comfortable in your own skin, not having to act like a dickhead who's so fucking cool and everybody's here to kiss my ass. But also like, hey, people are here to see you perform, like have a little bit of confidence in yourself, you know, and when things don't go wrong, I think that's one of the biggest challenges for me as a front man is when everything's going fucking wrong up there <laughs> and I have to like pretend that it's all good and everything's sure. cool. I mean, we had, man, I don't want to like throw former members under the bus, uh, but we've had situations uh, where maybe our live set, I'm thinking of a show that you guys played with us where something went really, really wrong with our live set. And I mean, really, really wrong. Like a song that was meant to be like 182 BPMs that was played at like 90 when we listened to it in post. Like it is really fucking hard to keep your shit together. But dude, losing your cool and, and getting super pissed off and yelling at the sound guy and, and just acting like oh, you yeah. don't want to be there. Whatever whatever was able to be salvaged from this experience is now gone. Yeah. Because you copped an attitude and you're just like, well, I'm pissed off and I don't give a shit and I want the whole world to know that I'm not happy. Like, if you can't roll with the punches, you should not yeah. be in live performance. Totally, you totally. Just stick to the studio. Totally. And I and I agree with you as somebody that has been that person. I have been a total <laughs> C-U-N-T on stage. I have before. And, Absolutely. But I've definitely, I feel as though like I've hopefully grown from those experiences and i've learned that like okay like these are feelings that i'm gonna have and i'm gonna continue to have these feelings i don't have control over that but i have control over how i act yeah on those feelings and how i approach the situation well what's cool is like you are such a down-to-earth like you're just such a nice guy but you're up there and you're playing this super aggressive style of music. And the one thing I love about seeing you live is you know how to playfully be a dick up there and just roll with it. Like, sure. I'll never forget. What was it? Oh, you were doing something on stage and you were like, oh, we're going to blah, blah, blah. And you were like having a moment with the crowd. And I'm out there being Mr. Smart guy because I love to like yell stuff up and 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 just have a good time. And you <laughs> like... 
shut the fuck up. <laughs> the whole place started howling, dude. Uh, or like the one time I started saying 99 balls of beer, but it was in the wrong fucking spot. During your set. Like, Come on, dude, get your shit together. Start that over. Like, yeah. you know how to be that personality up on stage and it fits with what you're doing, you know? Um, and it's hard for someone like, I've seen a lot of things on online about like, you know, especially like death metal, really aggressive styles of music. But then you meet the person in real life and they're like the nicest person that you would ever want to meet. Yeah. Um, it's hard sometimes to find what is my personality on stage, you know, um, and to just be able to turn that on and just be that personality, even when you don't feel like it. I mean, it's it's tough, man, especially like, you know, having a whole room of people fucking stare at you when something goes really, really wrong and you're putting yourself out there and you're sharing something that's like deep and intimate. Like this is my art and everything is going fucking wrong. And for you to somehow like just keep it together on stage, even though you can tell people know everything is not cool up here. Like, dude, rolling with those punches and just being the person that that you want people to remember from that show up there. Man, it, it can be a real battleground sometimes, but I don't know. Like I said, if you can't roll with that shit, don't bother with live performances because as fun as it is, shit goes wrong a lot. And yeah. If you're not able to deal with that, I don't know, man. I just don't mm, stick to those smaller shows where it's just about a good time. Like if you're trying to do a real performance and maybe you don't think you're guns and roses at a fucking arena, but you're trying to take it serious and you want to put on a really polished professional performance, shit is still going to go wrong. The most important thing about, like you said, like even if you're in a local uh, unsigned act and you want to have that attitude of professionalism, everything is always fucking cool. Even if you have to talk about how everything's fucked up, just keep it rolling. You know what I mean? Keep putting yourself out there. Even when you just feel like, dude, I'm just dying up on stage. I just want to either walk off stage or just totally put my head down and fucking get through this so I can get out of here. You know, just remember that everybody came here tonight. Maybe they're not all here to see you, but they're giving you a shot. They're giving you their attention. Make the most of it. Yeah. It's, you know, it's just uh, a lot of our conversation today, I feel, has revolved around that that gray area that bands don't always acknowledge of what it is that they're doing and what is the purpose of what they're trying to accomplish, you know what I mean? Like a band like Greywalker, you know, I feel we operate on a scale that is very professional, but we have a very relaxed approach to it in terms of, you know, we're very realistic about what we're able to accomplish. We talk to each other about what we can do, what we expect of the band, what we expect of each other, and we just go with it. Yeah. You know, and it's a thing where it's like, you know, let's get this out here now. Like, you know, we can't play this many shows. It's like, realistically, we all are adults with full time jobs. Some of us have kids. Some of us are like still, you know, we've done like some of us are still in like college doing like weird, like extracurricular learning stuff like this, all this mixture of things. And it's like gray walkers, only one component of our lives. Right. So it's like, realistically, if we break this down, this is how many shows we can realistically play in a year. Okay. Let's get over that now. Cool. But how can we make sure that everything that we're doing has a purpose and is beneficial that we can make, you know, this limited amount of time that we have to work with the band, make sure every minute that we're putting into the band is productive. Sure. 
and it's it works. But we're just very realistic about where we are. And I think there are a lot of bands that maybe just don't have those conversations or don't think about things like that. They just expect to just keep doing stuff, keep writing music, keep putting out songs, keep playing shows, and it's going to work. Well, and it's it's a painful thing to take a look and recognize, look, we're not either able or willing to do what it takes to really go the distance. And a lot of I think a lot of people in in local projects, um, they don't always even know what that is. And and for our scene, I'll, I'll get specific and kind of break it down for our area. I think a big part of that is we don't have a lot of mentors here. You know what I mean? That's why when I find somebody like uh, my buddy Lee Caruso or uh, Sid Riggs, he's a, Sid actually called me a little bit ago. I'll call him back. <laughs> Maybe we'll get some sushi with him. Yeah. Um, when I find somebody like that, and it's not just because like in Sid's case, Sid has worked with like legit professional artists. I mean, he's recorded like some really big names. I mean, he's played on stage. He played with Rob Halford. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, this guy has done some real fucking shit. You know what I mean? Like he actually reached out to Julie and I. Um, he saw us. Uh, I think it was. I swear it was on your show. I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. And he emailed us and he was just like, I like what you guys, guys had to say. Let's let's hang out, you know. But like it was I'm not going to say it was like intimidating per se. But like when you're talking to someone who has done the types of things that you can only dream about doing, like working in music, if you're in a local project, like when I find somebody like that. I stick with him. And like the other part of that is like, I'm real good friends with Sid. I'm real good friends with Lee. Like you're only going to make it so far with someone like, unless you've got the kind of revenue where it's like, okay, this is a business. We are a business contact. Like you do have to find people you click with, you know? What I mean? Yeah. You have to find people you connect with. But dude, me personally, like when I find someone I click with who, who is that really good mentor, that good contact, I do not let them go. Oh, you know no, I mean? dude. At the end of the day, I feel like it's more important, you know, to not take the relationships that you're building for granted, especially on this like local level. It's like, what is life at the end of the day, right? Like, I know people in very successful bands that are still like lonely motherfuckers. Right. Like, they maybe they're touring, but they have nothing to come home to. Yep. And it's like, you know, don't take for granted, like, the friendships and things that you have. And maybe there are some, like, people who are like, oh, I don't give a shit about these local bands or whatever. None of this fucking matters. And it's like, okay. dog, like, I am stoked to have friends like you and, like, Sid and people that I've met throughout, you know, the years where it's like, you know, maybe we only get to play so many shows, but it's like, fuck, you know, like, I have these really awesome friendships and connections with people. And, like, that's just genuine human nonsense that like transcends any of my like bullshit artistic needs sure. you know it's just like there's so much more to life than like your selfish creative output right and it's really easy to get wrapped up in forgetting that yeah but it, it's so important to remember it yeah well and we're talking a lot of like i would call just normal life stuff that plays into our music and our projects and stuff like that um and the big thing that i think I hear it talked about in podcasts, and I've had this conversation with a lot of people in connection with working with, you know, bands and doing shows and with just music in general. What does success mean to you? And that's definitely not something that only pertains to music, but I think it is so important when you're talking, whether you're talking about someone who's very serious about their music and about their talent and about their career in music and, and where they want to take it, or whether you're just working in a local project and having a good time. 
um, what does success mean to you? And like, like you said, you've talked to your band a lot about like what our goals are as a band. I think it's very painful for people who they love music and they love playing. And come on, I think a lot of us get into music at a younger age, thinking at least in the back of our head, hey, maybe it could happen. You know? What yeah, I mean? totally. Um, and I think it is a very painful, painful thing to have to reevaluate and say, okay. You know, I, I've been playing for a while or, or, you know, wherever you're at in your situation to reevaluate and look at it and say, I'm taking a look at the real odds and the reality of my situation. Like, let's really talk about, hey, come on, five years from now, do we see ourselves like either touring nationally or on the verge of it or signed with a major label? Like, and if we do feel it's possible to your point earlier, Let's talk about what we need to do with the project. And every single thing that we're doing had better be towards these goals because if you're looking to seriously make it somewhere in music, I'm not the expert at all, but I know you have to work your ass off and everything you do has to be in pursuit of that goal. You have to work on your craft. You have to learn as much as you can. You have to network. Like, and especially nowadays when even bands that we look at and they're getting play on, on major forums and, and their national um, projects. I mean, a lot of them still have day jobs. It's not like the age of the rock star is kind of dead. You know what I mean? Like sure. Bon Jovi, like owning the world and fucking 10 car garages. Like in our genre, you, you said earlier, like, why are we getting our ass kicked? Why is pop? And, you know, I don't think you said it, but why is pop and hip hop and now country? Like why has rock really sort of lost its, its King spot, um, you know, in popular music. And does it really matter? I don't necessarily think so, but being realistic and being honest with yourself and the people you're working with about what are our goals? Are they reasonable? And let's just be honest about how we want to go about doing whatever it is we want to try and do. I think part of it is for so many that we have to look at the long shot of are we really going to do something even moderate success, you know, even modest yeah. success in music it is so challenging. It takes so much work. Even if you just want to do something like me personally, I will tell you, I have worked really, really hard on my own performance. I took voice lessons for six, eight months in preparation for, for doing this EP. I had to look at myself and be like, I've been singing for 10 years. I don't really know how to sing. You know I mean? Like I know how to do what I've been doing, but like I don't really know proper technique whatsoever. I've never been properly trained. Well, maybe I should go take some lessons and invest some money sure. and learn from someone who can teach me. And I'm still learning every single day. I watch tutorials. Dude, you can scream like a motherfucker. I can scream, but I'm telling you right now, I, for years I've been doing it wrong. It's a very regular occurrence for me in rehearsal towards the end. I'm losing my highs on the stage. I lose my highs all the time. And you know that's from doing improper screaming techniques. I'm sitting there like a noob, like I just joined a band. Like, well, let's look up fry scream. You know what I mean? Let's look up false chord. Let's sit here and be humble. I'm going to dumb it down and pretend like I just started singing because even if you're good at what you do, you can always learn something more. And for me, I really had to go back to the rudiments and actually learn because like some people, like they either have a parent or they're involved in a project young, they get exposed to music and they learn, or even if you just took an instrument up, you know, when you were in school, um, 
not everyone had that experience where they learned the proper way to do something where they got a good foundation, whether it's proper technique or music theory or just learning from someone who is good at it and can teach you, hey, here's a good way. Here's some good hacks to get good at that. Like, I think so many of us have just started playing for fun. And then it's like, well, I want to be really good or some of us maybe think they're already really good. Um, I don't know. I don't think it's ever a bad thing to just get humble and go back to the rudiments and really learn the foundations of your instrument or your craft and just, dude, pick up whatever version of Music for Idiots is going to help you because even for someone who's talented, I'll tell you what, when you learn from someone who's either a professional or just really skilled at what they're doing, I've learned a lot. And I realized there was so many things that I'd taken for granted, like you said, that I had to go back and revisit. And not only is it benefiting me, like I'm singing better than I ever have. You know, people, um, I was talking to Lee. He said, I played your single for a couple people. And it's not like, oh my God, it's amazing. It's better than anything on Octane. You know, I'm realistic about the fact that we are an amateur band and we're still coming up. We're still learning. We're still growing. But what we put out is better than anything we ever did before. And my producer had people who have heard me before go to him and be like, I really, I, I couldn't believe that was Jerry singing. Um, it takes a lot of work, even if you're not doing something on a professional level, working with someone who's investing thousands of dollars in your music and playing national stages. Dude, this shit takes a lot of work. Like I've thrown a fucking notebook down and being like, music is fucking hard. This is bullshit. Like, I guess it may be, uh, I'm getting a little bit more into what I said earlier as a joke. Like you kind of have to hate yourself to get sure. involved with music because I know there's those prodigies who pick it up and they're just amazing from the beginning. But I had to put a lot of work into it. I still work very hard at it and it's a labor of love, but it's not always fun. Sometimes you just gotta, you know, you just gotta get disciplined and do something just because you really want to be as, as good as you can. And for me, that's where I really started to learn and grow. I guess it, it took me seeing how much I still had to do to really grasp where I was at, to get realistic about where I was at with my performance and with my level of talent and my level of experience and really start growing, you know what I mean? And reaching out to people who knew more than I did and just saying, Hey man, like I'm a singer in a band. I don't really know how to sing. Like I'm still getting better at doing different scream techniques. So I don't blow my voice out, you know? Yeah. Like, but for me, it's fun. Like I like learning new things. I love music. It's been challenging and I don't know. Going back to the rudiments for me, it, it's helped me tremendously. It's been a great experience. Yeah, I think that if you're not willing or even thinking about challenging yourself or continuing to grow, it's like, what's the point of continuing to be in the band? If it's just for fun. But yeah. Again, be honest with yourself and the other people you're playing with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's just, it creates, again, that that gray area of bands in a, a local or underground music scene where like... You know, you have the bands that are doing it for fun and the bands that are really, really trying, but it all gets mixed together. Yeah. And like, how do you again, like I said, I, I never want to be like a gatekeeper or try to like police a local music scene. But I just think it's like as a band, if you are trying to get to that next level, but you still have to operate in this like DIY atmosphere, you got to start being very hyper aware of who you're interacting with, the bands that you're playing with, the promoters that you're working with, the venues that you're playing at, sure. and just starting to paint a picture of your band that from the outside, a 
just showcases a more professional appearance within like a, a DIY spectrum because it's like, you know, we don't have like a, a wide variety of clubs to play. So and if you're, shrinking. If, if you're trying to play like only good places, yeah, you know, you don't want to have a, a rep, you know, like a, a fucking, uh, <laughs> it's all good. You don't want to have a, um, like a, like a, a past show itinerary that is like the same four venues over and over and over again. It's tough. But then that's when it goes back how many to venues that we lost in the past. Well, year? that's when it goes back to like, is it better? Are you better off only playing only one so show right. every, every so often, yeah, even if you want to play more, you can break into other markets too. Yeah. And I think part of that is, you know, it, it's definitely easier to do that if you're willing to do some covers and some bands are willing to do it and some bands aren't and that's okay. But again, you know, because I used to have this idea, well, if we do more than one or two covers during our set, everyone's going to look at us and be a cover band. And that's not, I remember Lee, he, he was like, dude, do you really think Breaking Benjamin got popular playing popular, like playing their only their music? And I thought about all the medleys I'd heard of Breaking Benjamin shows of all these different covers, like a Metallica song into this, into that. And all of a sudden I was like, yeah, I'm listening to a band who maybe used to be a cover band. And I'm, I, dude, I never read their biography, but... Lee made the point with me. He's like, dude, it does not mean that you're a fucking cover band. If you learn enough covers to go out and get paid to play in another city, like there's different things you can do. And I, I just like I think that comes back to the whole mentor thing where we don't have, in my opinion, we don't have enough people in Pittsburgh who I'm not talking about somebody who, well, I've produced, you know, professional bands and I have gold records on my wall and shit. I'm just talking about good mentors who have some experience either in the actual music business or just veterans who have played long enough who are willing to help younger people. Well, I would push back. I think that we do have a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, not not hundreds. Yeah. But probably like a dozen yeah. But the thing is, is that those people can't work with every single band. Yeah. And the thing is, like, you know, by whatever fate, both of us have found people to consider mentors sure. in the music scene. And what have we done but just like work hard and network and put ourselves into a position where these people find out about us and reach out? Right. Right. If you're looking for, this sort of thing, what should you do? What's my recommendation? Be good at what you do, right. network, yep. and just put yourself out there. That's the, and the, people will reach out to you. Yeah, the third one is the biggest thing. I mean, put yourself out there. Don't feel like you're too cool or that you're automatically going to get rejected. You know, and like you're going to be like the kid that walks up to the table at lunch and everybody just laughs at you and you're going to be super awkward. Like, have you ever had that experience? Like, I can think of maybe two or three times where I like went to reach out to someone and extend my hand as a friendly contact and they just shot me down. And it was usually they didn't even bother returning my Facebook message and it didn't crush me as a human being you know what i mean yeah. it didn't it didn't kill me inside like getting used to putting myself out there and reaching out to new people and just saying hey i'm in a project like i noticed you're doing something like i'm not saying we jump in a boat together and we get way ahead of ourselves but like hey i just thought maybe you'd like to talk and and have a conversation and you know what i mean like 
I think some people build walls around themselves, that not was, just personally, but with their project and, yeah. and the preconceived limitations of what, oh, I could never just go and, and go to a new band's show and just talk to the band afterwards and just see what they're like and see if maybe they yeah. want to do a show together. I have my circle with my bands that I'm comfortable with and we're already friends. And so I'm not going to feel awkward when someone looks at me like, no, dude, I don't want to work with There's you. There's an like, undeniable value in that sort of like behind the scenes working on things you know like whenever we first met it was because you had came up to me after a show and introduced yourself and like hey let's link up sometime and talk and sure. i'm the kind of person who's like yeah right let's do that think about like any other type of uh successful business like these are people that like do like you know they do lunch and they have meetings and they <laughs> yeah, have right. all of these things Who's it's like that person i want to meet you and then they make plans just to meet because we're involved in a similar business yeah yep. it's like take advantage of those opportunities in the music atmosphere and if like you're not getting those opportunities then you're not create putting yourself them. out there yep. or you create them yep you know like it's just one of those things where you know you reached out to me at a show. Yeah. Sid sent me an email out of nowhere yep. because he had talked with some people that said like, Hey, if you're looking for people to know in the music scene, you should meet Brian. Sure. And then Sid met you guys through me and yeah. it's become like this whole and maybe that's, thing. Maybe that's a point we should make just in case anybody's watching like, man, I, I know we're just playing local shows and, and just kind of pursuing our passion. I'm not thinking I'm going to get rich off this, but I would like, to meet some of these people. I would like to meet someone who's produced a professional band and talk to them about my project without it being some bullshit Facebook scam where someone's going to charge me like $200 a month and, and really sure. just, it's going to be a bunch of bullshit. Like you and I really, we didn't like, we didn't know each other in high school. Like we didn't just meet, you know, and maybe some people look at what they perceive in the scene as different clicks. And it's just like, Oh, well they're buddies and they only work with one another. And you know, Here's me on the outside of it, and they get different shows and different opportunities, and and they act like their project is something like, I'm for one, dude. I I do not like when someone in a local scene starts acting like it's the cool kids table. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's like, dude, none of us are playing me, arenas. Like, none of us are touring nationally. Yeah. Like, let's not get ahead of that. Let's not get above ourselves. But the other part of that is we didn't meet by mistake. Like, we intended to seek each other out and decide, hey, let's see if we might want to work. Together. Yeah, that's the thing too. Where like, whenever there are people that are being negative in some way, it's like I'm almost kind of like, you know what? If you don't think anything cool's going on, I don't even want you to know about the cool shit. Right. You just kind of stay in right. your own little negative yeah, bubble. Over here and then me and all the homies pool. are going to go get sushi. Yeah. So fuck you. Don't, go go <laughs> be in your section of the pool way over there. Yeah, yeah. Well, don't, you don't you don't need to know about what we're doing. <laughs> Completely unnecessary. So, speaking of sushi, I am hungry. Yeah. I I think that we have we could probably talk for another hour at least. Um, I'm sure we're going to, but for the sake of we'll do whatever sushi. For the sake of anybody out there on the internet that is still listening, uh, we're gonna we're gonna let you all go. It's been quite a conversation today. Real quick to the professional plug thing. Oh, I was gonna let you do that. Thank you. New EP coming out is Black Magic Symphony. 
Uh, we have a single out called Fortune. The band is Winner's Descent. We're on all the major streaming platforms. You can check us out on Instagram and Facebook and all that other shit. Um, we would really like to uh, make the opportunity available so that you could maybe reach out to us. We love getting messages on our Facebook page uh, or our Instagram page. We really want to start interacting with people more. If you listen to Fortune and you like it, please send us a message. Uh, that's the one thing that, that as much as we're getting engagement on our socials, we don't get a ton of messages. We really love hearing from people who say, hey, I dig your single. Tell me what it meant to you. Um, you know, and, and if you're in the local scene and uh, you're doing something cool, keep at it. And uh, hey, hopefully, you know, we'll meet someday when COVID is finally done kicking our ass. I'd love to play a show with you guys. Hell yeah, brother. I appreciate it. So normally this is the point in time when I say goodbye, but you know, we, we're, we're not, this isn't a goodbye. Yeah, we're going to get some sushi. We're getting some fucking lunch. So to all of the, everybody out there on the internet, uh, goodbye. Thanks for hanging out. I haven't done an intro for this episode. I'm not going to do an outro either. The fuck? You know what it is. It is what it is. It's a podcast. You just listen to it. Thanks. Goodbye. We're done. Ha, ha, ha.